Hey, so I'm really excited about this episode with Ken Jensen, who back in 2012 took a huge risk and became the second franchisee of Amada Senior Care. And today, Ken runs one of the largest home care companies in all of Colorado. Now, I'm excited for a few reasons. I, I've known Ken for about seven years, and I've learned so much from Ken. I consider him one of my mentors. Ken has 10 kids, yes, 10 kids, and he is by far one of the best fathers, dads I've ever met. But if you're listening to this podcast, I'm excited because Ken's success is all about leveraging your existing talents and making no excuses for your weaknesses, something that Ken really does, and it's something I believe every successful entrepreneur needs to do to some extent. So here's the background. I think that most of you know that I'm one of the founders of Amada Franchise, and that last year we generated about $72 million in gross revenues, which is something we're so thankful for and it's amazing to be part of, because it means that we're caring for thousands and thousands of clients nationwide, and, and that's really gratifying. But it wasn't always that way. Back in 2012, we had zero franchisees. And the fact that Ken Jensen became our second franchisee ever is still one of the biggest strokes of luck ever. And we'll hear more about that later in the show. Now, while Ken didn't have home care experience or context he could leverage, he did have two really, really important things. And that's incredible work ethic and self-awareness. See, Ken is one of the most self-aware entrepreneurs I've ever met. He knows that one of his greatest strengths is being one of the best salesmen on earth. The guy is amazing. He can build relationships with anybody. But he also is very aware that he is a terrible operator. Knowing this, he then overly favors his strengths and he makes zero excuses for his weaknesses. And as you'll learn in the podcast further on, Ken only starts and gets involved in businesses where his abilities and talents give him extreme leverage. So I am excited to introduce you to Ken. Let's cue the intro and get started. So anyone can quit their day jobs, start a business, and call themselves an entrepreneur. But the big question is, how do you find, launch, and run a business that leverages your existing skills and talents so that you can reach your financial goals and live life on your own terms? That is the big question, and this podcast will give you the answer. I'm Marcus Mora, and I've helped hundreds of entrepreneurs find, launch, and run multi-million dollar businesses. Now my mission is to help you find yours. Welcome to Born to Run It. We lived in a little teeny tiny two-story house with two bedrooms upstairs, um, a bedroom downstairs, and my mom and dad's so four-bedroom house, no basement. I remember as a kid, we took the big room upstairs because we had four boys in one bedroom, and there was one bathroom, and then on the other side was my dad's study. The girls were in a bedroom downstairs, and you know, we, my dad was a school teacher, so we were not wealthy by any means. And um, I mean, I grew up on powdered milk. And, you know, the only time we ever tasted real milk was when my grandmother came into town and she refused to drink powdered milk. But, you know, it was just the way it was back in those days. I mean, it was no big deal. We didn't feel like we were poor. But from the, day, from the time I turned probably 12 years old, I bought my own school clothes and worked for stuff and had a job. And it was just the way it was. So I've always been a hard worker and I learned how to do, you know, difficult things. Even to today, if it's not on sale... I don't buy it. You don't buy it. I, I mean, literally, 
I could walk in and see the exact thing I wanted, and if it's full price, it doesn't even register. But if something's on sale, it doesn't matter if I need it or not. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, it's on sale. It drives my wife crazy. I mean, we learned very at a very young age if we wanted something, we, we, we were going to have to pay. When you have 10 children, you're making $12,000 a year. People used to come up to my dad all the time, Don, how can you afford to have 10 children on a teacher's salary? And his response was always, Sam, I pay tithing to my church. <laughs> it was just, I was amazing. Was- I, growing up, it's funny because growing up, I don't think I ever saw my dad change the oil in, a, in his car. I know we never bought new tires. Buying a set of four tires was so foreign to me. I mean, that was just like, who buys four tires? Well, what would he do? Oh, we would drive tires. I mean, I remember just seeing, you know, the, the cords on the, on, on the outside of the tires and thinking, hey, it's still looking good. I remember getting flats and thinking, okay. And, you know, there would be six or seven patches on a tire. Yeah, no, I mean, no it's just, way. it is the way it is. In high school, I worked for a butcher, and I did that for three years. Um, and so I always, I bought my own first car when I was 16 years old. I paid for my own insurance. I paid for my own gas. I mean, when you grow up and you're responsible for yourself, I think you learn very quickly, okay, I can do this. Yeah. It's not a, it's not it's a, not a, a hardship. No, it's not a burden. No, it's, it's just, just you just do it. it. Yeah. And okay. all my brothers and sisters did that. So now you, you're out of high school and where do you go? Went to college. Went to BYU for college. Um, actually, went on my mission. I went on a mission for the um, LDS Church um, for two years, and I went to um, Chile. And so I learned Spanish, which was awesome because I still speak Spanish today, and I love speaking Spanish. And it's great when this old, fat, bald, white man walks in and sitting there talking Spanish to the people, and they look at me like, "Where did you learn How Spanish?" Did that happen? Yeah. And I say, "I was in Cancun last week, and the, the um, taxi driver taught me." And they all look at me like, "You're crazy." But no, I love. So I, I still speak Spanish. And then I came back, I went to school for four years at BYU, and then I moved to Southern California and became a stockbroker. Now at this point in Ken's life, he already knows that sales is what he's really good at. So right after college, he lands a great job with Merrill Lynch, and he loves every minute of it. Um, It was so much fun. It was pure sales. It is the most pure sale that you can make. And there was, I think there was 120, um, so they rate you by class. So you, when they hire all across the country, they hired 120 with my class. And so I was always rated as that class. And before the end of the first year, I was their number one broker, which was kind of fun. And so, but what I did is I made the decision that I was going to make 300 cold calls every day. So I would get on the phone. I would get to the office by 6 o'clock. I started on the East Coast, and I would move towards the West as time got um, through the day. And I literally made 300 cold calls every single day. Every single day? Every five days a week. So I'd get to my office by 6 o'clock. So living in Southern California, even though it was only 25 miles, I had to leave from my house by 4.30 to get there by 6. And then I would, I would work till 5 o'clock in the afternoon. So I very seldom got home before 7.30. And so I did that from the time I was 21, 20, 24 to probably 30, uh, 32. Every year you still made 300 calls a day? Yeah, that was my deal. That was how I got new clients. You just kept making every, year after year after year. I'm a very, as you can tell, even right now, I go marketing every single day between 8 and 10. That is what I do. And even though I've been doing this for seven years, I still go marketing every day between 8 and 10. 
Where does that consistency come from? You see that as such common sense. I don't think it's a thing for you. But I think consistency is the hardest thing in the world for anything. Working out, uh, in a relationship, in a business, all of it. How the heck are you... I think it's mind-blowing that you don't think it's strange that you <laughs> did what I do. 300 calls a day for about, what is it, eight, eight years. years. Yeah. And, but, and you say that, what's interesting, you say that with a straight face as if anybody else would have done that. But well, I, that was the only, I, I tried to figure out how I would be successful. How would I get new clients? I didn't have family money. I didn't have family friends that had money. That was never even an option. I mean, that was, that was so far out in left field. So I, I had to generate everything myself. But eventually, Ken's Merrill Lynch days come to an end. But Ken doesn't quit like most people quit. He all of a sudden just decides, I'm done with Merrill Lynch, but he still leverages his biggest asset, which is his ability to sell. So I had a guy come to me and he said, you know what, I'll give you 10% of my company if you'll come work with me. And I said, okay. And I said, what do you do? And he says, I do lighting. And so they did energy efficient lighting. So I quit Merrill Lynch. Because it was getting to a point where my, my oldest son was like seven years old and he, he was starting to play b- baseball and soccer and I realized, okay, leaving for work at 4 o'clock in the morning or 4.30 and getting home at 7.30 is not going to work for me. So I, um, so I went to work with him. But, but now, even at 32, you were making good money at Merrill Lynch. Oh. The money was, was pretty great. If yeah, you, it was awesome. you stayed in the top of the company and... Yeah. You, you performed really well. Did you worry about the money side of it when you made that change? Did you have enough to not have to worry about it? No, I just, you know, I'm, I'm a very, um, I believe in myself. I've, I've always believed in myself. It was not a big deal. Was there a lot of risk in making that change, or did you have enough put away that? No, I mean, I, no, it was, it was a lot of risk. There was risk Looking there. back... I'm thinking, what the heck <laughs> was I thinking? What are you doing? But, but, but you just, you have this, this humble yet very strong belief in yourself. Yeah. So I figured... And I, so does your wife, by the way. Yeah. Why does she believe in you so much? I don't know. We, we've got a great marriage. We've always trusted each other. And, and it was funny. I, later on, I'll tell you about a story. She, she came to me one time. She says... Have you ever thought of just going to work for a big company? <laughs> and I said, you know, babe, the first time I say, Mr. Joe, I want to go golfing today. It's Friday at 2 o'clock. And he says, no, Mr. Jensen, you can't go golfing today. And I look at that 24-year-old kid and think, yeah, forget this. I thought, yeah, that's not going to fly in my life. So, you know, I just, you know, I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know why. But it was no big deal. It was no big deal. No. So I left Merrill Lynch. And um, went to work for a lighting company. They were they specialized in doing McDonald's, and a McDonald's was five thousand dollars. And in the previous twelve months, they had done one a month for twelve months. So the previous month, the year before I started, they did sixty thousand dollars in lighting. That's not that's not Nothing. any world records here. Well, no. And, and had he just started the company? Was it was no? It, it been new? four years old, three or four years. Four old. years old. Yeah. Oh, but. Only McDonald's? They have other accounts nope, as well? That's all that's they, all they had that's done? That's all they did. And they had this book about this thick of all the McDonald's owners nationwide. But he had the contract for it or he had nope. to go hustle it? You had to go talk to each individual owner and convince them to go to energy-efficient lighting. So I'm sitting there one day thinking... So I don't see opportunity there. 
What, what, what made you well, think that's I didn't that's know that that's what they were doing. He told me they did energy-efficient lighting, and I thought, well, that makes sense. Everybody should have energy-efficient lighting. I'm totally clueless on this one. Seriously? Yeah. So you, you just, was the guy a pretty good salesman of, of convincing you to come over? Or? No, he, I mean, he was just a, he was a really nice old guy, and I thought, yeah, yeah. That sounds I, good. I, let's yeah, go do yeah, this. let's go do this. So I started, and the reason they use McDonald's because they have long hours. And so you can put in energy-efficient lighting. It pays for itself over a two-year period, and it was a grand slam. Got it. And so I'm sitting there thinking, that's an awful lot of work for $5,000. Then my commission's 10%. That's 500 bucks. Yeah. You've got to sell an awful lot of McDonald's to make money at this. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to go after hospitals. And he looked at me like, you're crazy. You'll never get a hospital. The first job I sold was one of the major hospitals in Southern California, $263,000. And they're looking at me like, what have we done? <laughs> Could he even so fulfill I got my, that kind of a job? Well, yeah. They started it. They started hiring. Again, operations are not my thing. So right. they took care of the operations. I took care of the sales. And so once we did that one hospital, I got every single hospital in the whole L.A. Basin we built the company to $16 million a year. That was incredible. You went from 60000 in revenue <laughs> to a $16 million company in, in how long? three years. That's crazy. I know. It was insane. It, it was changed awesome. this man's life. I know. It was awesome. And then 2008 happens. The mortgage meltdown affects Ken Jensen, and he loses the business. So I asked Ken... What was it like? Take me back to failing so miserably. How did you deal with it? Um, I don't know. I'm a very optimistic person. I don't, I mean, you know, it's hard. It's, you go through, everybody goes through tough times. It's nothing special and it's nothing, um, but it was, it, it kind of, you know, stilled me to make sure, you know, get ready to do something else. Now, with the business failure behind him, Ken sets out to find his next business. So he starts looking for businesses that still allow him to leverage his greatest strengths, his sales ability, relationship building. Uh, and he also wants something that may be more recession-proof. And he's also interested in a business that he would really care about, something that uh, would mean a lot to him, something that would allow him to provide jobs and be active in his community. And in his search, he stumbles on the senior care industry, specifically senior care franchises. I went and listened to Visiting Angels right at home and home instead. Their, um, what do you call those days where you... The Discovery Discovery days. days. I went to their Discovery Days. And I remember sitting in that room thinking, I love this concept, but I don't love the way they do it. They, they, don't, they don't bring anything to the table to me that says, we are the guys. And so I said, I'm going to buy... So I decided, I bought a marketer, I bought a... Um, they called it a um, home care company in a box. And I spent $999 on it. And we were literally going to start a home care in a box. And I paid for it. It got there. And the very next day, somebody said, hey, you know what? I hear that there's a new company in town, in California, that's um, franchising. And I said, well, I'll call them. If they're brand new, you know, maybe may, I'll call them. So I called down to Amada. And um, I said, hey, my name's Ken Jensen. I hear you're franchising. I'd like to talk to somebody about it. Okay, now this is where things get crazy for us at Amada. Ken made that phone call back in early 2012 when we had one franchisee. His name is Robert Christensen, and he was just getting started. So we were all sitting around going, how are we going to find our second, third, and fourth franchisees? 
and the receptionist comes in and says, hey, I've got this phone call, a guy by the name of Ken Jensen from Colorado, he wants to get more information about the Amada franchise. And Chad Fotheringham, my business partner, one of the founders of Amada, he says, Ken Jensen in Colorado, he says, I, I knew a Ken Jensen here in California, I think he moved to Colorado, and we're thinking, okay, there's no way this is the same guy. Nice that you knew a guy by that name, but it's a very common name. So Chad says, well, let me take the call. So Chad grabs the phone, gets on, and says, hey, is this Ken Jensen who used to live in New Hall, California? I'm thinking, okay, we've been moved now for 14, 15 from years from California. And I said, yeah, yeah, this is. And he said, this is Chad Fotheringham. And I said, no way. And I was his scout leader. And I said, oh my gosh, tell me about what you guys are doing. So it was like great, old great reunion thing. And um, we loved Chad when he was a kid. In fact, we almost named one of our, my son Tyler was almost Chad. That's what we were gonna name him because, uh, because we just thought Chad was one of the greatest kids we'd ever met. Isn't that crazy that 14, 15 years earlier, Ken Jensen had been Chad Fotheringham's scout leader. I mean, to this day, we talk about this with some kind of a reverence. We, we just, we don't know how the heck this happened. Not just that Ken called this and that was incredibly coincidental, but also that Chad was there, that he took the phone call, that he made the connection. Uh, had anybody else taken the phone call, maybe the conversation would not have happened the way it did. I mean, everything happened so perfectly and it really changed our company. Ken became our second franchisee, and like Robert Christensen, he goes out and he just crushes it in Colorado Springs, Colorado, and he builds a massive, massive organization, proving that the Amada model could be successful in, in a market that was completely different from Orange County, California. Here's Ken's take on the whole thing. It was, it was amazing. It was amazing. I went from doing it my own self, because now I realize I'd owned my own companies now for probably close to 20 years. And so I, I really thought, this is what I want to do. And so they, we agreed, and I bought a franchise, and the rest has been history. I, I wouldn't go back for f five seconds. I would never have chosen a different company, ever. My competition doesn't touch us. Even though we're getting paid for it, what we're doing is pure service. It, it is there to help families. And it's amazing how we change people's lives because we make sure they're clean and we give them the dignity back that they deserve and we get them food and we help them their house be clean again. It's amazing how simple things like that improve not only their, their self-esteem and, and their self-worth, but it helps our caregivers and it helps us. It's an amazing industry. It's, I didn't even know this industry existed before yeah. I, I, I started the, the, that search. And now I look back and think, oh my gosh, what an amazing industry. There's nothing like it. One of my clients was at Pearl Harbor when the bomb started um, falling. He was actually in line to be discharged. And the way he tells it, he, the guy in front of him walked away just, and he was in line. Just as the paymaster said, name, ring, serial number, he, um, the bomb started falling out in the harbor, and the guy closed the pay box and said, you'll not be retiring today, and walked out. And he stayed in for 23 more years. 
Ken has hundreds of stories just like that. He loves what he does. Now in his seventh year of business, he has no intentions of slowing down at all. Last year, he expanded his business into the Omaha, Nebraska market, and he continues to grow in the Denver area by leaps and bounds. Oh, and by the way, do you remember the 300 calls a day that Ken made as a stockbroker? Well, he took that same approach with the Amada Senior Care business. Still to this day, as big as his business has grown, he still gets out every morning, Monday through Friday, from 8 to 10 a.m. to visit his referral sources and his clients. And thank you so, so much for listening to our show. You can subscribe to our show anywhere you get your podcasts. And while you're there, please leave us a review. It's your reviews that will help us reach more people who might be searching for their callings and allow us to document and tell more stories of amazing entrepreneurs. If you want to send us a tweet, it's at Born to Run It. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Just search for our show, Born to Run It. And if you enjoyed this or any of our episodes, I promise we won't be mad at you for sharing our show on social media using the hashtag Born to Run It. Our show is edited by the wonderful Deanna Mejia. I'm Marcos Mora, and you've been listening to Born to Run It. Hey, Marcus here with some uh, legal mumbo-jumbo for you. So this podcast is not an offer to sell a franchise. The offer of a franchise can only be made through delivery of a franchise disclosure document. And certain states require that we register our franchise disclosure document in those states before offering a franchise there. So this communication is not directed to any residents of those states. Now, for any more information on this, please go to amadaseniorcarefranchise.com slash important dash note. Again, that's amadaseniorcarefranchise.com slash important dash note. Also, any financial representations that you hear on this podcast or in any of our materials, please go verify them in our franchise disclosure document under item 19, financial representations.